Hello everyone, my name is Jeremy Alice, and welcome to Penny Taller, where large adults talk about stuff. And uh, to the left of me, after a three-episode absence, is... The Wizard Profion. <laughs> I've got to go pay for my castle. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to go pay for White Castle. <laughs> uh, it's me. <laughs> It was it was me the whole time. <laughs> it's uh, Nathaniel. It's nice to uh, be back. Uh, much like, uh, well, the same way that the subject we're going to be discussing today is uh, hard to schedule <laughs> if you are over the age of uh, eighteen. Uh, I I'm sorry, folks. I can't be on every single episode, but uh, it seems like you guys and gals are having a lot of fun while mm-hmm. I was gone. Mm-hmm. Is out on anything? Uh, not really. It was just me and my friend Jesse talking about different stuff. I I know. I just wanted to be like uh, on on cinema, <laughs> like whenever Greg isn't on an episode. Yeah. By the way, I'm I'm not gonna derail this immediately. I am finally getting into uh, on cinema, and it is like like anybody knows what it is knows how good it is. Like I'm not gonna turn anyone onto it that isn't. Mm-hmm. It does tickle me that Greg Turkington is not the co-host. He is always the guest. So like Tim always says, and this week we have uh, Greg Turkington as our guest. (laughs) He he will not allow him that much. Yeah. Because I thought that was so cute because that's what I have done with this. Where I am basically on every episode, but I'm like, no, like I'm a guest. You don't have to. (laughs) My name doesn't have to be attached to this (laughs) for legal reasons. Uh, But... We have a really interesting topic uh, today. Uh, We are going to be digging into, to my mind, one of the greatest things to ever come out of Wisconsin, and that is the uh, stunning upset victory where the Republicans lost control of the state Supreme Court this week. Very funny. Uh, Oh, but but in addition to that, (laughs) more specifically, uh, there was... A fantasy film released recently based on a very popular role-playing game. You know what I'm talking about. The news clip of Graham Barrett, the uh, LARPer who looks like Seth Rogen in Chainmail, who found that dead body in the woods <laughs> and tried to cast the resurrection spell on it. Yes. Yeah. Jesus. God. Yeah. That is so awful and beautiful at the same time. That guy rules so hard. That is... Uh, I kind of thought my favorite movie so far this year was going to be John Wick, but that's now a, a, a noble second to that uh, that news clip. Uh, no, but fittingly, uh, uh, okay, uh, why don't we stop talking in this fashion, <laughs> this uh, medieval fashion? We'll get to the the actual topic. What are we discussing? Now that I've got my goofies out, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Yes. Which, uh, right off the bat, good title, Yeah. by the way, because people have joked about how in the last, like, 20 or 30 years, we're just, like, uh, allergic to, like, Roman numerals and things like that. Yeah, we can't, we can't do the respectable thing that, like, the Rocky movies did. (laughs) Yeah. And just be... And the movies that do do it are not very good, like the Scream franchise these days. Mm. Where you find out it's Scream 6, and you go, ugh. 
I'm not even sure I liked Scream 1. I just, so yeah, now that we're in the era where there's no longer, like, sequel titles, it's like, Thor, The Dark World. Mm. It's always titled like that. This is very much suggesting, like, oh, we're going to make more of these. You're, you're getting Dungeons and Dragons movies. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I'm glad they didn't just call it Dungeons and Dragons, because that's a little too, like, so what? Yeah. You, you have to call it something so that it comes up in a Google search. And I, I actually would have been ballsy if they called it Dungeons and Dragons 1. <laughs> Has any movie ever done that, by the way? Just, just like, fucking Babe Ruth it, where they're like, yeah, welcome to John Wick, Volume 1. Well, t- <laughs> there were two examples. Yeah. Uh, National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1. Okay, that's, okay, that's, a that's a straight-up joke. That's that a straight-up joke. That is good. Yeah. And uh, Remo Williams, The Legend Begins. <laughs> I forgot about Remo. No, oh, it, it, it began. No one can say that it didn't begin. <laughs> yeah, in fact, some would say that's all the adventure did. Um, you, you are very right. And Remo Williams was one of those franchises. It was like this, that wonderful weird period before like VHS and home media had really become a mm-hmm. thing. But after the war, so, like, paperbacks could be cheaply produced. Yeah. There's this 20-year window where it's like, yeah, we're, we're going to do, like, 700 Remo Williams things. Or 700 books about a guy called, like, The, the Eliminator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these days it would just be, like, a TV series. But back yeah. then it's like, no, just please enjoy my series of novels. They're each 120 pages. <laughs> they come out once a month. And we'll... Attempts to turn each one into a movie once and fail. Uh, one thing that doesn't fail, it's saving throw, is uh, the Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I- I'm sure we will discuss it at length, but um, I guess I might as well say up front, not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not great. <laughs> not my favorite movie. A very agreeable sort of movie. Mm-hmm. A movie that looks you in your eyes and shakes your hand. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't mean to do final judgments up front, but just to sort of set the tone, this, uh, I do not regret seeing this. I liked it. Yeah. And, uh, all joking aside, if you're going to the movies, do go see John Wick 4 first. A legitimately great movie. But if you're on a plane or something, <laughs> it's a long flight... There's worse things you can watch on A Stranger's Back than Dungeons yeah. and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Uh, what do we have to say about this movie? Any any opening thoughts? I was, I was going to slip in there that uh, in reference to John Wick for uh, my computer, my PC wallpaper is Scott Atkins' character, Killa. Yeah, Killa Argon. <laughs> Just staring at us right now. It, they give him the grill so he looks like Alan Partridge. <laughs> he looks like Alan Partridge when he has the Toblerone addiction. <laughs> <laughs> Wham, bam, what a video. Oh, God, I know we need to talk about Dungeons and Dragons, but I I do almost want to do, like, a John Wick episode, but, like, we shouldn't because it would just be me going, like, so cool! <laughs> did, you see, did you see when he rides the horse? Like... I would have... It's like how I shouldn't talk about comedies when I just end up quoting, like, my favorite I would just be saying how cool Donnie Yen is. (laughs) So, yeah, John Wick 4 is... 
debatably the best in the franchise. I think I think my favorite might still be the third one. But I love Scott Adkins as a, as Killa because this the John Wick movies are not without humor, but it'll usually be like Ian McShane or something. Mm-hmm. They'll be they'll be like organic <clears throat> humor, but they they're not funny. They're not wry or ironic. Yeah. I kind of like how in the middle of this three-hour bloody revenge epic, they just go visit a clump. <laughs> yeah. one, of, one of the clumps is just hanging out in, like, a cathedral nightclub from Vampire the Masquerade for the <laughs> After Dark. <laughs> and it's this fucking Austin Powers-ass character, but he's still awesome. Dude, the fact... Uh, okay, I looked it up. They said that they based Killa on... He's a cross between Sidney Greenstreet and Sam O'Hara. <laughs> That's like, fucking awesome. Just, just like, like, you can go ahead and make a movie, but just just know that you'll never make the movie. <laughs> Somebody beat you to it. Uh, okay, okay, but... This is getting as protracted to the lead, as the lead-in to an actual role-playing session. Uh, let's talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, we can talk about the movie. Do you have anything to say about the wider franchise? Uh, not really. Uh, most of this is just going to be about the movie. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was non-rhetorical. I, I didn't know if you had any particular background, uh, any interest in it. Um, I won't give you my life story, but the... Dungeons and Dragons is one of those things that's sort of always been around. Mm-hmm. It's very much been like the, the wallpaper throughout my life, and I, I think any other person of my background and nationality. Yeah. Um, I'm not honestly that much of a D&D guy. I like role-playing games. Uh, if I'm lucky, I'll usually get to play maybe two a year. <laughs> Uh, but that's just the nature of like having a job, <laughs> you know, knowing people who have kids and whatnot. Um, I have the actual D and D game has never lit my fire as much as like rifts or something like yeah. objectively worse games that nonetheless I have more nostalgia for. Um, I remember us playing a lot of rifts. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of the go to, um, and. Yeah, D&D is something where I, th- I think I've always sort of liked the idea of it, especially like sort of late first edition, early second edition. I loved like monster manuals. Mm-hmm. I, I think I had like one of the hook horror toys when I was a little kid. Yeah. Like, I was always sort of pleased with the idea of Dungeons and Dragons. And then uh, in execution, it, it's like, by the, by the time I played, like, my first actual game, like, following the rules. Yeah. Not just you make a character and then go play in the backyard and pretend to be them. Yeah. Uh, and find a dead body. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think my first actual, like, proper game of Dungeons & Dragons, I played, like, three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fun. Yeah. It was something to do over, like, the pandemic, over a Zoom call. But because of that, it, it is weirdly something that is, like, it's as ingrained in me as, like, Usagi Ochimbo comics are. Yeah. 
And at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like a six on D&D. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, the result is... Uh, and this, to, to dovetail this into something that actually matters that is germane to our discussion, I feel like the, the peril of doing a Dungeons & Dragons movie has always been... How do you do it where it's not just any fantasy movie? Yeah. Yeah. And to point to previous examples, like D D has has always borrowed pretty liberally from like uh movies and books and stuff like that. And uh, I'm sure it's a circle these days. I'm sure books and movies rip off D D, sometimes mm-hmm. to their detriment. Like yeah. maybe your fantasy novel doesn't have to have like a system about how the magic works. Or a cool elf. Yeah, right? I mean, it can have a cool <laughs> elf. <laughs> but I think I think there is a specific type of young adult writer who... <laughs> when I hear somebody go like, oh, and like the, this D&D movie we're talking about today, mm-hmm. they apparently came up with stats for all of the characters. That's cool. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's like a cute backstory in the same sense that like Heath Ledger kept an in-character journal for the Joker. I'm just like, huh, how about that? Thank you, IMDb. I don't actually care. When you do it the other way around, when you're like, ah, damn it, I can't finish my novel because this character needs to cast a spell they haven't learned yet. Yeah. You know you can just, like, make that up, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's when I say, like, it can sometimes, the river flows better in one direction than the other. Mm -hmm. But we've had D&D movies before, and I don't just mean those, like, god-awful ones from, like, the Jeremy Irons one. Yeah. Like, Conan the Destroyer is a Dungeons & Dragons movie. Yeah. I would argue Conan the Barbarian is not. It's, like, it's like it's the Iliad totally or something. Movie. Yeah, like, it's much more of an actual movie-ass movie. Yeah, uh, Conan the Destroyer is a D&D movie. Big Trouble in Little China is a D&D movie. You, you said that... The Suicide Squad is yeah, a D and D movie. Like, I'm just, James Gunn seems to be good at that, like the the like, you know, quippy found family sort of dynamic. You realize, oh, that's basically like most D and D parties. Mm-hmm. So uh, I remember watching Guardians of the Galaxy and thinking, this is kind of a raiding party right here. Like, yeah, t- tech guy, assassin, tank, psionic is the mm-hmm. second. Uh, leader who's less interesting than any of the specialized characters. Yeah. Uh, the fact that they are, they like become heroes, but they're meant to be primarily mercenary mm-hmm. motivation. That's very D&D. And yeah, then if you strip away like the the superhero coat of paint, like, did you like that, uh, d- that uh, suic- The Suicide Squad movie where a bunch of weirdos climb a tower and beat a wizard and then have to fight a monster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then they kill him with a, a spear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... And an army of rats. Just <laughs> <laughs> every fucking thing about that. Yeah, so... so deep. The, the fact of the matter is, there have been many movies that have scratched the Dungeons & Dragons itch. Like, every D&D player I know, like, of a certain age, just could quote you Army of Darkness mm-hmm. in their sleep. Uh, so the challenge then put forward is, how do you do a Dungeons & Dragons movie, which is not just a kind of okay fantasy film? Yeah. With the results that previous attempts, like the the Marlon Wayans, Jeremy Irons, Bruce Payne, 
year 2000 D&D is like famously justifiably reviled mm-hmm. just such an absolute nothing of a movie because you watch it and you're like oh this is a slightly boring episode of Xena yeah what is this giving me that I could not get anywhere else there's nothing really from the game in this like they <laughs> yeah like that's not a sticking point for me but even then you're like hey would you like to see one beholder yeah he this beholder has a bad back he won't be doing anything yeah but he, you do look at him. You can't take that away from him. <laughs> um, so, it, how would you say that? Uh, how would you say that the new Dungeons and Dragons movie is perhaps more successful at this rather than just being, you know, the Conan remake with Jason Momoa or whatever? Well, I think <clears throat> the whole thing of like making it like the game Mm -hmm. they do in very cool subtle ways like uh the movie has a plot it has a mission but there are so many cul-de-sacs so many side missions they're fun like they're fun sequences Mm -hmm. But it's just like, oh, to do this, we have to do that. To do that, we have to do this. Yeah. I need to get this, but first I need to get that. And it feels like when you're playing an RPG and you're like, oh, yeah, we have to fight, like, the the army of, you know, Shemnagurath or whatever. Yeah. You know, that you, famous D&D character. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know what you mean. But we, uh, you know, you, you realize, oh, yeah, there's, like, something that needs to be done. And there, another thing I noticed, and maybe I was just imposing this, but I realized that with a lot of the action sequences, there's a lot of stuff that the characters fuck up. So it's like, yeah, like oh shit, I rolled a two. Like, no, that's that's a really good point. Like you can tell when I, I God, I feel nerdy discussing it, but I mean, I gotta just leave those hangups at the door with this episode. I know exactly what you mean. There are scenes where you're like, oh, he, he failed his 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 role. Like yeah. this guy's trying to bond with the helmet and like he doesn't like he doesn't get the 20 until the last scene, but it's dramatized in a way that is actually interesting. You yeah. know, could be it, on a mechanical level, could be interpreted that way. Like when the uh the owl bear girl she has to Man bear pig. <laughs> yeah, she has to get out of the castle when the red wizard uh, finds her, and her li- she does not stick the landing when she no, gets to the like, street. She she kind of eats shit. Yeah, I, I kind of like that. The and, and again, just do, I'll, I'll give two caveats up front. One, we're, we're just going to be nice and nerdy, and uh, two, I do not know a single character's name. I, I, okay, I take that back. I know uh, Forge Fitzwilliam, mm-hmm. like the con man, just because it's such a weird name. Literally everybody else, I am just going to call them either the, the shapeshifter, the red wizard, or Chris Pine. <laughs> so, like, do, do not expect anything more from me. <laughs> I, I, I will be honest about this up front. Um, they, they are a fun group, I think, because... If they were just like duh duh idiots, mm-hmm. then it would be tiresome. Because we we've seen that sort of like 
the Lego movie thing of like, what if you sucked at everything, but gosh darn it, we'd like you. Mm-hmm. What? It's kind of lame. I like it's. I do want to watch people who can do cool, interesting stuff. Yeah. But then they can't be perfect. The one exception is the guy from Bridgerton as the paladin. Yeah. Is literally perfect, and that is treated as a joke in the movie. And he's not really part of their party. Like, So it very much feels like the core group of, I guess it's like four of them. Yeah. They feel like reasonably competent, fairly creative, like seventh level character like where you've been playing for mm-hmm. a while but you're nowhere near like maxed out yeah yeah so they that that's like the the interesting like liminal space to keep them in where they could conceivably fail or succeed at any mission mm-hmm. not just fail and get lucky or <clears throat> you know just god mode through everything then the paladin it Rene Jean Page or whatever his name is ho 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 or whatever his name is <laughs> He's like the overpowered NPC that you meet. Yeah. He's like the like the the DM throws in the characters like, okay, you guys are gonna get murked if you just do the dungeon on your own. Here's the guy who like kind of knows his way around. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you're done, it's like, my planet needs me. <laughs> like because you don't you don't want to just have him win every fight and you're like, uh, can I leave the game early and beat traffic? <laughs> and that's even what they said about his character, the the paladin, is like he walked in from a completely different fantasy movie, which kind of works, right? That like that's it's the same way that like the joke about Scott Evil works genuinely really well in Austin Powers because it's just what if there was just a guy there? Yeah, everyone else like the supporting characters, the love interest, everybody is still part of this espionage movie. And then what if there's a guy who's like, yeah, I was going to watch, like, a titty movie later. <laughs> and, like, purposefully crass, like, why don't you just wait till he's on the cat and then blow his brains out? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's not how Blofeld thinks, but that's how your roommate thinks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, for, for something that's such a layup of a joke, like, it's a really good one. Mm-hmm. I felt the same way here. Um, yeah, the, the characters are fairly affable and... Like you say, I feel like there's bits in here where they take what would be a bug in regular storytelling and turn it into uh, a virtue. Yeah. So, for instance, most movies have the same plot structure as this, which is a bunch of MacGuffins. Mm-hmm. We've got to get the, the magic nyanya and take it to Majumba's palace and unlock the key that takes you to the chamber that contains the riddle of the curse of the mummy's ghost. Mm-hmm. Most movies have to be plotted like that just so that they won't be 15 minutes long. But what the D&D movie can do is go like, no, like, these are literal side quests. We know we have to get the magic yon Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what you expect from us. Mm-hmm. And there are several places there, and uh, same thing. I think if there is the, the real uh, coup de grace in this movie that bumps it up basically like a star rating... Mm-hmm. Is the fact that they decide to make it a heist movie. Yeah. Because, like, maybe in a minute we can talk more, okay, how does this work as a game movie? How does this work as a movie movie? Mm-hmm. Honestly, first hour or so, I was a little iffy. I felt like it, it had, like, kind of a slow start. 
once this turns into Ocean's Eleven, mm-hmm. like I, I was just like, it's like you know, going up the roller coaster, going down the roller yeah. coaster. Once they they started doing straight up, yeah, you know, like let's rob the casino ship. That's when I was like, okay, movie, you found your sweet spot. Mm-hmm. You were done clearing your throat. Um, and I think this was a, a really, really smart idea because I, quests aren't really that interesting outside of, like, novels and very long poems. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, The Godfather is not a quest movie. Yeah. Children of Men is not a quest movie. Like, it's actually a really specific, hard-to-do sort of narrative which, because Star Wars was popular, everybody thinks that they have to do that now. Yeah. Yeah. And so it were, I'm so glad that, like, uh, for the millionth time, I'll compare it to the Jeremy Irons movie. That feels like it has to be a shitty fantasy novel. It has to be, like, the Chosen Ones are going to get the scepter and defeat the Dark Lord. Yeah. Like, it's like, do you buy in this? Like, they're clearly no more into it than you are. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is just... And you know what's fun is a heist. And it accurately captures something about the, the game, which is most D&D games are not actually quests. <laughs> that Those are too complicated. Those take too long. What if you guys only meet once every six months? Yeah. Whereas if it's like, what's our game going to be? Oh, it will be a raid or a heist or a coliseum battle. Mm-hmm. That's how most of these are actually shaped. Those also make for more interesting yeah. movies. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I, I think they... What, the, everything else is kind of window dressing. Like, the actors are fun. Like, the jokes land roughly as often as they don't. Which mm-hmm. is still high by, like, most movie standards. I, I think they really cracked the nut over what they wanted this to be before they started. Yeah. And that carries it through even when, you know, to use the Hitchhiker's Guide joke, like, the hours are good, but some of the, the minutes are pretty bad. Mm-hmm. That's how this feels. I'm <laughs> like, there's bits of this where I'm like, okay, fucking move it along. On the whole, though, I walked out having been like, wasn't that fun <laughs> sort mm-hmm. of reaction. It it really kind of goes with I won't say the realism, but like the one one on one by one comparisons with the movie and the game is that you know some people were complaining oh they're not taking it serious you're not taking D and D seriously enough D and D should not be taken seriously yeah it's like when you play a role playing game D and D or anything else with your friends you're mostly just taking around. Yeah, I know that there are, and look, whatever is fun for you is fun for you. For some people, like, the absolute immersive method actor-ass experience is what they want to do. Mm -hmm. And if everybody's on board and having a good time, then good. What usually happens is is that there's one guy who wants to do that, and everyone else is like, oh, fuck. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I kind of just wanted to, like, eat pizza and catch up. Yeah. Um... So, I, I think that you are right about that. Like, it, it's, again, turning, like, a bug into a virtue. Most movies these days are too fucking corny. Yeah. Like, they, they are 
to, to quote MST, like, they're failed comedies. Mm-hmm. We're going to just shotgun jokes at you. None of them will be funny, but there will be a lot of them. And it's just, like, you don't have to undercut everything. You don't, like, if you're not, if you don't think you're cool, why would I think you're cool? Mm-hmm. And watching the previews for this, that is when it clicked with me. Because the first couple previews that came out, you know, very short, my first reactions were a little iffy. Because they were, all the, the trailers were very much of the, uh, um, yeah, that's an owlbear. Yeah. Kind of jokes. And I was like, what is this? Mm. Is it, they're gods. Well, what was the, I think it was fucking Felix or somebody like, they're gods, but they talk like the guys at the Apple Genius Bar. <laughs> but then, I think it was before John Wick or something, they just did a clip from the movie. Not a trailer, but just like, here's three minutes of the movie mm-hmm. as a selling point. And it's the first time they wake up one of the corpses. And yeah. have like the five questions. Like, So this they have to answer any question. Yes, you have four questions left. No, no, no. Don't. Don't. Answer unless it ends with a question, okay? Yes, yes you have three questions, questions left. left. And you're, and like, it's this... Oh, you want to realize yeah. this is a comedy. Exactly. Like, the point where they're doing, like, Dudley Moore, Peter Cook shtick with mm-hmm. a corpse. I went, oh, it's a comedy. Yeah. It's not a normal-ass movie that panics and tries to do a little jig because it thinks that you're you're getting bored. Mm-hmm. it's just a comedy as comedy and when that's the case it's like yeah the jokes some of them can fall flat because there's going to be a lot of them it's fun yeah. like um and so that's that, that to me is like the bait of it you either need to be committed which i think like john wick is mm-hmm. or you need to be sincere about like hey we're just gonna have fun tonight yeah which is what this is doing it's when you try and do both that, which to me is like the area most Marvel movies land in. Mm-hmm. You just end up being the uh, Alan Alda robot <laughs> for Futurama. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't war, it's murder. This isn't a war, it's a murder. <laughs> Funny, maudlin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not everything has to have the same basic dramatic structure as a Medea play. <laughs> uh... But anyways, uh, so you you think that that worked for you really well that it was mm-hmm. or or worked at all well that it was just trying to be fun. Yeah, I think so too. And again, I think that's what they really nail down is that this is what your D and D party probably kind of looks like, like this or worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is something as I. I I, you I think s- that's. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I think that's what the show nailed down. Which one? The old, uh, the cartoon. The cartoon. Yeah. By the way, uh, not to put a halt to things, can we pour one out for uh, Michael Reeves? Do you know this guy? Uh, he's Michael Reeves is uh, was a screenwriter. He was one of those great, like uh, a hack in the non derisive sense of the word, like a writer who writes for a living. Yeah. I get you. Yeah, and he did, like, 200-plus episodes of, like, all these different cartoons. Um, And so he wrote the... It's basically, like, he wrote the better-than-average episodes of the better-than-average cartoons. Hmm. So, like, 
you know, D&D's doesn't need to be in a time capsule or anything, but for an 80s cartoon, that shit's pretty good. Yeah. Like, if, you know, you put that up against, like, Masters of the Universe or something without the veil of nostalgia. You, you look at the episodes and you're like, oh, shit, there is a story. Yeah. There is... Yeah, there's, there's like, something to latch onto here. And, you know, I, again, like, this is all relative to children's entertainment. I'm not saying mm-hmm. it, it is... Better than, like, Miserab or anything. Yeah. I'm saying it is better than uh, Inspector Gadget. <laughs> Inspector Gadget, not without its charms. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly the fact that it was an anime. <laughs> it's, it was just Lupin. <laughs> yeah. But, oh yeah, so, like, the D&D episodes that are, like, a little weirder or darker, like, where they actually try to kill Venger, mm-hmm. that was Michael Reeves. And then same thing, like, a lot of the better... Batman the Animated Series episodes, a lot of the better Gargoyles episodes, all those shows where, again, like, it's not that you should be watching them instead of Deadwood, but the shows you watched me were 13 and went like, that was actually pretty dope, like, yeah, compared to whatever other shit I was doing with my day. Mm-hmm. I, he, that's, that sums it up perfectly. He was the surprisingly good writer of the surprisingly good episodes of all the surprisingly good cartoons mm-hmm. and uh very you know forthcoming you know, like answered a lot of questions about this stuff when the internet was first starting and uh, sadly passed away in the last week or two so mm. that that just reminded me out of the blue like you know a, a quick toast to him i think absolutely um, Speaking of the D and D cartoon, you did notice. Yes, that wasn't even that wasn't like a fucking Easter egg. That was a an ostrich egg. Yeah, <laughs> that was like a that was like an Easter basket. <laughs> that, that, okay, that was better. I should have just said that. Yeah, when they go through the Death Coliseum at the end, and they're just fucking there, Hank, Bobby, yeah. Eric, Presto. They're just there, and it's not it's not subtle either. It's not like you catch them once. Like, they pan across six groups and no, kind of see them. We see them fully twice, and we see them fighting, like... Yeah. And you sometimes see them close up and realize, like, oh, it's, like, Bobby's meant to be, a, like, a guy. It's, like, a short person rather yeah. than a little boy. You're like, that's kind of weird, but whatever. Yeah. I'm not going to pretend I didn't go, hey! <laughs> yeah. Also, the fact that they don't look like any other character... Yeah, they're so yeah colorful. The movie mostly sticks to a a pretty decent, slightly generic like kind of. It, it looks the way all the art in like D and D fifth edition books do. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Lots of like you know studded, uh, not studded, but lots lots of like treated leather, some earth tones. Then you have these fucking Crayola kids show up. Mm-hmm. Of course, they stand out. That's an, another topic I, I thought might be worth mentioning. What did you think of uh, the references in the movie, of which there are more than a few? Um, that was one of the only ones that I actually got. Okay. Because this is, this has just become like the mode we work in, right? We mm-hmm. do references. Yeah. There are some movies that are, to use your phrase, like an Easter basket with a movie built around them. Mm-hmm. Those are usually kind of unsatisfying. And it's never fun when it, something grinds to a halt. I felt that this movie handled that stuff really well. Like, 
the the D and D kids like mm-hmm. Presto and Eric and everything. That was the the most obvious bit thrown in there. But there's all sorts of stuff in here where, if you are even casually acquainted with the game, and again, I want to stress like I'm not saying this like I'm not a nerd because I am. Mm-hmm. I just generally don't know that much about D and D, but I do know some shit. I know who Tritz is. Yeah, you know. They throw this stuff in here without it being a big deal. So the young uh, wizard guy, the like half elf mm-hmm. wizard who's in their party, uh, they mention that he's descended from Elminster. Elminster is a real character. Hmm. He's the kind of stock Merlin Gandalf, like the sage of the Forgotten Realms, where like all of these things that was first made up by this guy who used it as like his homebrew campaign setting. Yeah. And then he just sold it. Mm-hmm. Which is literally what Gary Gygax did, Dave Arneson, and everyone else did. The Forgotten Realms just wound up having more traction, I guess. So Elminster is very much a guy. There's like half a dozen Elminster novels. I'll confess I haven't read any of them. Mm-hmm. If you know who Elminster is, and that comes up, and they go, he's descended from Elminster Aberon, or whatever his last name is, you go, oh, hey! Yeah. And if you don't know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, if but, he, if, that, when you told me right there, that didn't add or subtract anything. Exactly, like, they neither add nor subtract from their numbers. That's how these things should work, where if it's a thing, then people can go, oh, hey, yeah. And if it's not, then just context clues, you go, oh, like, from the way he said that, I assume that that's, like, saying he's, Nick, like, Nikola Tesla's grandson or something. Mm-hmm. Like, you get the connotation. I... Not to get off topic, uh, Prissy and I watched a Bottle Rocket not too long ago, the mm-hmm. first Wes Anderson movie. Uh, awesome, hilarious, like insane how good he was just from the jump. Yeah. But there's a scene where the, the Wilson brothers rob a place and their aliases are Jerry and Cornelius. <laughs> Which, if you don't know who that is, you're just like, oh, like Cornelius, that's like a funny name, like yeah. a real name that you never actually hear. Yeah. But if you're me, you go, fucking Jerry Cornelius. I got that reference. Mm -hmm. No one ever talks about that shit. It's like the Jerry Cornelius reference in the Alan Moore movie, The Show. Mm. Where, like, she, the the girl just happens to be, like, granddaughter or daughter of uh, Jerry Cornelius. And it's like... Again, it doesn't add or subtract. Yeah, yeah. Oh, with Alan, I almost expect that though, because they're like buddy buddy. I did not think I'd be getting like a fucking Elric reference in, you know, a Richard Linklater film, <laughs> like to make that comparison. Uh, but but anyways, I just use that as an example. Um, the the movie does a lot of this, like the chubby dragon that attacks them, mm-hmm. right when they're in the underdark. Um, that's a real thing. And I didn't know that. Like, when I first, when it comes out of the cave, it looked on, like, the sound, the eyes lighting up. Mm -hmm. It's, it's cheesy, but it's what movies are good at, like, an oh shit moment. Yeah. And when it showed up, and it was like, like, oh no, it's the chubby dragon. (laughs) It's like, Mm -hmm. he's been eating too many party adventures. I did have, like, a couple minutes where I went, like, man, did it have to be fat? This could have just been, like, the Balrog, you know? Like, mm-hmm. and I'm like oh, that was awesome. <laughs> you could have just had it be cool instead of, like, nudging you in the ribs. 
But then later on I found out, oh, that's real. That's from the game. Mm -hmm. It's this stout dragon that dwells in the Underdark that's like an NPC and everything. And when I read that, I was weirdly like, okay, if they didn't, if they threw it in for fun, as opposed to like ruining somebody else's thing for fun, that changes the equation. It's like, we needed a dragon, let's get the fat one. Yeah, and so it's just all this stuff where like, if you play the game, you know that the red wizards of Fae or Tay, whatever it is, they are an actual cult and they're kind of bad news. And if you don't play the game, you just watch it and go, oh, like, they're, they're the Sith. They're bad, because look yeah. at them. Like, and on that note, I it's think like it's... like when you, when you say, like, oh, he was able to kill a red wizard. It's like, the character is only saying it that way because... Yeah, because it's a red deal. wizard must be a big deal. Yeah, and so, to see me... I, I'm sure, like, the, the six references I caught are pale compared to, like, the 60 that I didn't. I know we're probably in there. Yeah, go anywhere on YouTube to find all the... Yeah. And, but but speaking of YouTube, that was something that I also found endearing about this movie. And I, I feel like I'm really lavishing praise on, like, a movie that I would probably give, like, a three out of four to. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, I do have, like, a... Don't, don't worry. My negativity will rear its head. There are a couple things that, you know, I might say uh, against it, but... I feel like I'm praising it for just being, like, just good enough. Mm-hmm. It's like in a world where every movie is Ant-Man Quantumania. Yeah. And somebody shows up with the Mark of Zorro. You're like, God damn, where have you been hiding this? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, God, it's almost interesting throughout. I didn't actively dislike any of the cast. <laughs> Wow, they they fought, and you could tell that they were in the same room when they filmed it. <laughs> like, yeah, just they they limbo under a not particularly low limbo bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, credit where it's due. I, I loved how little exposition there was in the movie. Like the the first the big exception is like they have to do a whole flashback at the beginning. Like, mm-hmm. here's my story, and I'm like... That was one of those, like, okay, get a move on kind of bits. Yeah. I love how they don't stop and tell you what every goddamn thing is. Because it doesn't matter. When the Displacer Beast shows up, the panther with the tentacles that can, mm-hmm. like, bilocate. Yeah. They don't stop and go, what's that? Oh, no. They've got a Displacer Beast. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just like, oh, it's... It's that thing. Even if I didn't know what that thing is, which I do because it's a classic one, it shows you what it does. Mm-hmm. I felt like this movie was designed to make the Cinema Sins guy's head explode. Yeah. Because, I mean, you, you've told me, but like, what's the most obnoxious thing the Cinema Sins guy does? It, it's like when they take nothing on faith, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where it, it's like one of his sins was like, uh, Oh, uh, when were they going to tell us that uh, uh, Wonder Woman is immune to poisonous gas? And this one guy said, this is the scene where she walks through poisonous gas and doesn't fucking die. Yeah. No, that's, you, you mentioned that one in particular as being emblematic where, like, like my joke when I make fun of that guy is like, well, in this last scene, they're standing outside in the street, and yet uh, in the next scene, they're inside the warehouse. Uh, are we to believe that they simply teleported inside? And 
Like it's that level of like uh, like pretending you don't know what things are. It, he actually did that once. He did do ed- that once with an edit in Avengers wow, Infinity that's, War. Well, I mean, he does the 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 Sherlock Holmes one where it's like pretty impressive that uh, we that uh, they didn't even bother to lock the door on their evil secret headquarters, and he goes. He kicks the lock open like they zoom in on like a padlock. <laughs> yeah, and, and your takeaway from Cinema Sins is just like our movies just like amazing because every movie he does has like two kind of slightly wrong continuity errors. Mm-hmm. So like literally the only complaint you could ever register against Django Unchained is that a drink is at a slightly higher level <laughs> between shots, or that yeah. somebody's fucking shadow isn't pointing in the right direction at that time of day. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. I'm so mad now. <laughs> I hate that guy. Um, but yeah, that point of like, back when we knew like how to do movies, about, to, to be fair, back when people knew how to watch movies, mm-hmm. where they weren't like, I the rapist in this movie was mean. One star. <laughs> like that approach to filmmaking, or film criticism. You used to just, like, show a thing doing a thing, and that would be the explanation. How do gremlins multiply? Oh, they get wet. Mm-hmm. What? Why can't you feed them after midnight? That's what made them turn green. That was the thing. That was not a separate bit of information from them eating after midnight. Yeah. And if you have, like, object permanence and, like, know that, like, Objects in the rearview mirror are not actually in the rearview mirror. Yeah. Then you you were able to follow along with this stuff. Anyways, I'm getting, I'm getting irate here. That's what this movie does. Like, it doesn't bother with stuff. It shows, like, uh, the the coolest character in the movie is the, the shapeshifter, the tiefling. Mm-hmm. So we play the game. They're, like, demons. And they, they, they look more demonic in the game. I, I actually am kind of glad they... Made it normal and not distracting here. That's why she has a tail. Yeah. That's why she can shapeshift. And so when she shows up, they go like, oh, she's a tiefling. And she's like, whatever, what's their stupid word? Like a wild shaper. Yeah. A wild shape. There we go. Yeah. Which is, whatever, that's like a cheesy, like, movie. But I'm like, I would rather you just go, oh, she's a wild shape. Rather than spend 20 minutes showing how, like, her shapeshifter dad fucked her shapeshifter mom. They had a shapeshifter baby and all this stuff. Whereas if you just... that That is one thing I did really appreciate about the movie is they go, oh, she's a tiefling. And if anybody has the temerity to go, what's a tiefling? You can point at the screen and go, Her. that, the thing you're looking at. Like, how does this... What's a hither-thither rod do? The, it does it, what he does with it. Did, did, did you see? When you were asking me that... They answered when you were looking at me instead of the screen. Mm. Like, the result is uh, for a movie that uh, you know maybe could be twenty minutes shorter the way most movies could. I'm so glad it wasn't fucking twenty minutes longer. It just it tells you what you need to know. It has a really good barometer for how much you actually care about any of this shit. Yeah, and then it moves on to like, okay, anyways, you know what you probably don't care about is how they actually do the tentacle spell. You know what you probably do care about is that Hugh Grant's in the next scene. Yeah. <laughs> so um, this is just me kind of praising it, like, uh, for something that 
meets a, a relatively low bar and for legitimately gets the appeal of what it's going for in a way that like a lot of movies weirdly don't like halves of the superhero movies have no idea like i don't like this shit why would you <laughs> and uh to make this point then maybe, maybe we'll jump topics uh the idea that like your average role-playing party is there's the kind of overused joke like murder hobos yeah you, you've heard that term right yeah and that, that's one of those, like, kind of 2012-ass, like, it gets a little less funny every time I hear it, but it is an accurate description. Mm. Yeah, you tend to be vagrants and weirdos. Murder hobo. Wasn't that one of uh, Rucker Howard's last movies? <laughs> Very good, <laughs> <man>, actually. <laughs> um, but in this case, it's to, to do, like, a literary comparison. Um, when you play Dungeons and Dragons, you're not the Fellowship of the Ring. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when I that's having read a lot of this stuff, I'm like, I'm not. I don't play these games like I'm Frodo. I don't really play these games like I'm Dredd. I don't play them like I'm Elric. I'll sometimes play them like I'm Fawker and the Great Mouser. Yeah. To be perfectly frank, the most accurate portrayal of role playing in fantasy fiction is a uh, Kugel the Clever. The conniving idiot rapist, quote unquote, hero <laughs> from Jack Vance's Dying Earth movie. Just like, what if Captain Stern from Heavy Metal was a little stupider and it wasn't fantasy instead of sci fi? But when you watch Kugel go around going, like, what if I burned his house down and then took the treasure that was hidden in his basement? You're like, I've been there, buddy. <laughs> like, yeah. Not talking about the grosser aspects of the character, but I'm like, I may have once or twice banished somebody through a portal in order to steal their magic boots. What of it? <laughs> yeah. And I, thankfully the movie does not, you know, it, it wouldn't work if they were fucking monsters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, they are very, like, they very much nail the fact that 90% of D&D people are playing chaotic neutral characters yeah <laughs> or chaotic good somewhere in there um so we've maybe talked about how the movie works well enough for what it's trying to do compared to like actual movies as opposed to other dungeons and dragons <laughs> would you believe it's actually the best dungeons and dragons movie really better than the one with the just hideous animation <laughs> Oh, Ooh, God, Dragon Jesus. Oh, that was a... A not very good book turned into an even worse movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, terrific. Um, as far as just taking it on its own terms as, like, a film, what do you think works? What do you think doesn't? Uh, it, like, there, there are a few things that I wouldn't mind they having seen them tweak a little bit. Um, I liked, uh, it had, like, weirdly good, uh, uh, kind of emotional beats. Yeah, uh, again, like, I'm not pulling out a hanky at the end of the movie, but, like, oh, that was better than it strictly needed to be, right? Yeah, Yeah. and I think of just different parts, like, um... Chris Pine, you know, speaking to his uh, daughter, 
and then like it turns out to be the Red Witch. But then he gets yeah. to say what he actually wants to do with the real daughter. And he's like, I, I kind of wasted the speech, but I still mean it. Yeah. Right. And uh um uh the barbarian woman uh-huh. her uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character. Um the fact that her ex is like a halfling. That was a uh, I liked this scene. I would have been fine with them not doing shrinky dink technology. Like, <laughs> but is that what he was? A I assume that they, yeah, because there's also the woman who was on like the parole board. Yeah, I assume that that's meant to represent halflings. Okay, uh, the fact that like they go into like a a surprisingly effective kind of breakup. Yeah, uh, like, hey, how you doing? How you doing? Oh. Like, Kind of coming together and realizing, oh yeah, that's why we broke up. Yeah, that kind of thing. You're right, and it's it's the sort of thing where like if you cannot meet it on its own terms, is deeply annoying. Like I get that complaint, like the god who talks like Dan Harmon. Mm-hmm. Like I get why that would be an annoying trope. I I think what helps D and D like forgive that sin is that you never take it seriously. When they like that that stupid Rings of Power series, which, yeah. Do you ever watch that? By the way, uh, I saw clips of yeah, it. Yeah, that, that join. Was, that was basically enough. Join the club. I they released the data for that. Apparently, two thirds of the people who started Rings of Power didn't finish it. Wow. That, yeah, Rings of Homework, the Lord of Homework. No, just watch watch House of the Dragon. You'll have a lot more fun. Um. <laughs> But one reason that that kind of does not work is because it does. I'll give it credit. It doesn't go full Marvel, but it goes very twentieth century. You have like like a braggadocious dwarf lord, but then he talks to his father and goes like, "You always expected too much of me. I'm not you. I'll never be you." And you're like, "Okay, this is fine if it's fucking like AJ Soprano saying that to Tony." Yeah. Why would that character talk? I know they're not real. You can make them sound like anything. Mm-hmm. But based on the work this is drawn from, Tolkien, 99 times out of 100, knows how to get that tone. That yeah. Beowulf-ass tone. Like, not idly do the leaves of Lorien fall. Like, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and when you're just doing that, but you write, like, uh, I don't know, a 22-year-old Yale graduate, where this is your first job... Like, it, it ends up butting up very uncomfortably when it, it's like, Galadriel's a girl boss, as opposed mm-hmm. to just like, it was cooler when you didn't have to come out and say it, right? Yeah. Um, D&D just starts from the jump where it's like, no, everybody has that personality. Everybody already is a more functioning version of the Eltingville Club. So having a barbarian go like, oh, I'm going to go talk to my ex... Rather than being, like, a series-ruiningly atonal, like, how did that get past the mm-hmm. the editor sort of note? You're like, yeah, that's that's how they talk. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's pretty much the deal here. Um, as long as they don't start quoting other movies, they haven't really crossed the line. Mm-hmm. It was very... Yeah, the, 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 the jokes as well as the normal speak was very... Yeah. Natural. Uh, surprisingly natural. 
yeah, in, in a way where it's like, no, this this is not like convincing, it, like the way that the Green Knight, like a better movie, might be. Mm-hmm. It's not really supposed to be. Yeah. You know, I, I guarantee you it, it's going to sting your ears a lot less than that uh, that Willow movie. Or that, mm-hmm. that Willow TV series. Lurk much? Yeah. Oh, God. I, we need... If I'm going to shit on Willow, it needs to just have its own episode. But that's what I was worried this was going to be. Because, mm-hmm. again, the Willow, where it's just like, uh, excuse me, Mrs. Legacy Pants, but maybe we could get back to our quest. And you're like, yeah. What the fuck? Like... Who who did this? Who responsible this? One of my friends said this is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. It's because going into it, you're like, oh well, like the Willow movie was already like a little broad, and the brownies don't really click. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like you know, Val Kilmer is just not doing a British accent or anything. Yeah. So initially, you're like, I I can meet it on those terms. It's like, nope, no, no, no deal. Willow will be wearing a jean jacket. <laughs> um, ironically, he and uh, well, he and the actor who played the Green Knight, you know, Finchie, are mm. just about the only redeemable qualities of it. And then there's the kid from Grand Budapest is in there. Uh, he he's good. I like him. He's not good for this though. He was miscast. But I didn't never even finished it. But it suffered so badly from that. Like, you know, Willow, written by Funko Pops for Funko Pops. Not Funko Pop collectors, but the actual Funko Pops themselves. <laughs> this is how they talk to each other. And then I saw those first couple trailers for D&D, and I told, again, my, my quote-unquote gaming group, which mostly mm-hmm. means my friends, where we'll do board games and then twice a year get it together enough to raid for three hours. We were kind of talking about the trailer, and the way I put it then, I said... We've fallen into this trap where because everybody loves that D&D episode of Community, mm-hmm. we have taken the, the erroneous lesson from that that when we make D&D and fantasy stuff, everybody should talk like the cast of Community. Yeah. This should just be yeah. Harm and Quest. Yeah. No, exactly. And so, like, it, it does not work. D&D, they don't overplay their hand. And they get away with Chris Pine just being, like, a, a dude. Yeah. Because you're like, uh, you, you, you sort of already know that they're playing characters. So mm-hmm. that, that seems, like, kind of hand-wavy. I'm sure other, it doesn't work for other people. They're like, well, that's just a convenient excuse for it not being, like, as good as it could be. Like, I feel like whatever balance they were going for, they had it. Yeah. Mm. Having said that, the, when they make the people short... Yeah. We have not nailed that technology yet. Like, that does, that really has not gotten any better in the last 20 years when you make someone small. Yeah. I mean, it has a more natural look in uh, Lord of the Rings because it's, like, in-camera forced perspective. Yeah. But with this, it's just, like, this almost, it was almost like cats. Like, what? Yeah. No, like, him jumping up onto the seat. The dimension, the the weight of it, the dimensionality of it, like, does not work. And, again, like, to take Lord of the Rings as an example, when Lord of the Rings actually has to show, like, the hobbits standing alongside normal people and they use special effects, it doesn't look good. 
Yeah. The the whole like you bow to no man, which is like otherwise just such a wonderful moment. Everybody loves that. Mm-hmm. I love that scene. The one thing that lets it down just a hair is when you actually like see them. Yeah. And it's like it's your eye does not track properly. Mm-hmm. It has like a magic eye quality to it. Whereas in, in the first movie when it's like could Ian just stand like three feet closer to the camera than other Ian when we film this conversation? You're like, wow, why does that still work? Why does doing like a Joel Hodson like hold something close to the camera mm-hmm. is somehow a better special effect than like, uh, the computer shipped this out. It's all we got left. Although I will say some things about the special effects. Uh, others yeah. others were better. That that one specific type of effect. Yeah. Um, a lot of the effects just looked really genuinely good. Like, uh, I very much liked whenever, uh, yeah, Albert would just, like, go from one shape to another shape. The shape shifting's pretty smooth. She would just, like, go from one thing to another. I really liked those moments. And there's a moment... When they're setting up, and again, show, don't tell. Yeah. Uh, when they're setting up, like, what kind of character the paladin is, um, there's, like, this giant evil-looking fish that's flopped up on the dock. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, he speaks to it, because that's what paladins can do. They can speak animal. I think that's... I'm, I'm not going to correct me. I think that's more like a druidic thing, but I think he can just like... Yeah. He's like so noble and awesome, he already mm-hmm. speaks fish or something. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he speaks to it, and it opens its mouth, and he pulls out... It's uh, a, a cat girl. Yeah. and Because there's like human-animal yeah, hybrids. And he gets it to the cat mommy. And I found it interesting because... And I may have been wrong, but the fish looked like a mechanical fish. Yeah. And the baby looked like uh, a mechanical baby. Like, it, and that was almost refreshing. Yeah, I... It was weirdly refreshing to just see, like, a bunch of fucking Muppets in this scene. <laughs> and I, I feel like... And now I'm going to do a hot take where uh, people our age... Are you ready for this? I think I actually prefer practical effects. To yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, call me crazy. I don't, I don't care if this turns me into a pariah. I think I like practical effects better than computer effects. No, but but all joking aside, I know what you mean. and it's For, for me, the rule is this. Only use CGI when you literally could not do it any other way. Mm-hmm. That's that's when it falls apart. When it when it just it's something you could do better with a prop or a puppet or a suit, but instead you just made it look like a shitty collection of ones and zeros because you felt like it. Mm-hmm. That's when it falls apart. But for instance, like the owl bear and the fat dragon, they they don't look real. Like you're, they're cartoons. Yeah, you're watching a bunch of Shreks. But I'm like, well, how else could you? Yeah, yeah they like you had to do the dragon that. It was that or, like, Vermithrax pejorative, and that looks fake in a different interesting mm-hmm. way. Um, I don't mind stuff like that. But then, like, yeah, the fish, 
Why make it a CGI fish if you didn't have to? Babies, which are always fake anyways. Yeah. That, that cat baby looks more realistic than the baby from the Twilight movie. Yeah, where that's made. Which is a... I, I know she's like, you've got supernatural powers. Looks like a human. So you really did not have to... Uh, <laughs> you did, uh, God, we just didn't have a baby. <laughs> what it, was, was, it wasn't even like American Sniper where we had a doll. We had nothing. A doll. That is the most, like, Clint Eastwood has... Like, he's a, going to golf at five. Yeah. You get the doll. Yeah. Clint, I, that's why he makes so many movies when people like him. Uh, Clint Eastwood is one of those you will be home for dinner directors. That's <laughs> yeah. him and Woody Allen, and like, don't agree with everything Clint believes, but hell of a lot less of a creep than Woody. <laughs> um, so, anyways, I, I know what you mean. Like, this scene with like the corpses, mm-hmm. when they, they go around talking to them in the graveyard, like, that's just army of darkness shit. Yeah. That's a bunch of guys just like mm-hmm. wearing corpse makeup because it's fun. It works at least as well as almost anything else in the movie. Yeah. Because, by the way, this is a, a weird little footnote, but I read the, uh, I was looking at the IMDb trivia, I'm sure, it, even half of which might actually be true. But it said uh, Australian comedy troupe, uh, Auntie. Auntie, Auntie, whatever. Auntie Donna uh, provided the voices for the corpses in the Australian dub. And I, I, I know of Auntie Donna. Like, I think I'd probably like them in the sort of three busy Deborahs mold. Mm-hmm. They, they seem funny from what I've seen. And I think it's cute when they do that. Like, I'm not a fan of the Hitchhiker's Guide movie. But the fact that they got the... Yeah. The, the fact that there's a credit that says... The League of Gentlemen as the Vogons. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know what? I didn't like most of this. I'm willing to walk pretty far to see that put down and write it. That sentence. <laughs> it's like if you had, like, a Hydra in each of its four heads with a different young one. <laughs> yeah, but perfect, right? So I thought that, I, w- I read that and I was like, good, good for them. Mm-hmm. But it did make me think, why is there an Australian dub of this movie? <laughs> like, yeah. This isn't like, like they had to dub over like Mel Gibson and Mad Max. Like, I, th- I think your average American could probably understand a Brisbane accent and vice versa at this point. Mm-hmm. And also, the the corpses are already kind of like non-specifically English, anyways. Oh, it's hard to hard to figure out which book is my favorite. Yeah. So it's hard to pick just one. Do you like cats? Not really, no. I like that's I, I know that's not an Australian accent. It might as well already be though. Mm-hmm. Like that's you know, a British accent is closer to Australian than it is to American. Yeah. So, like this they they already just like have the like fantasy British accent for half the characters. Mm-hmm. So don't worry about it. I just I I think that's awesome. For them, but I was also like, oh, that exists? <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of those things, like, why did they remake The Lion King, but it's also just a cartoon? Yeah. <laughs> Literally no human characters. Uh, so that's been... That was fun. The corpse thing, by the way, is... It's, it's such a dumb joke, but 
they stick with it even when it's not funny. They just like stare at you until it gets funny. Again. Yeah, there's, like, there's so many things of like here, take the like. Oh, you have to talk to another guy. It's, just, it's yeah. like oh, he, this guy slipped and banged his head and didn't even go to the fight. Like yeah. it's just like yeah. It's like, oh no, I'm Sven. You want Sven? Like that kind of joke. I'm like. You you either need to not do this at all or do it nonstop, and this is nonstop. It's like going like Army of Darkness was too stupid. Like <laughs> oh yeah oh I love the parts where it wasn't, but then it let itself down. It really <laughs> undercut like you, you know how like horror is based on mood and atmosphere. I I really felt that it lost that touch with its silliness. So like that's. That's what I'm like, dude, like, half the movie could have been in the graveyard. And, like, <laughs> have been okay, no, they probably did it exactly as long as they need to. But when they kind of figure out the rhythm to that, I think it works well. Um, and I mentioned, like, for me, the movie, uh, I liked it better as it went along. Because mm-hmm. it opens, there's a rather long flashback, which is... Better than like like long ago there was a prophecy. Yeah, there would be a legacy. What's I can never hear those again after uh, the riff tracks. Five thousand uh, every five thousand years a virgin is born. Sometimes even more frequently than that. <laughs> and what was the rule? The, like the flop house thing. No good movie has ever started with a prophecy. Yeah. Um, so in this case, I'm like, oh, it's taking a little long, and like they maybe do the is Jonathan coming joke, like one beat too often. It, it felt like it was kind of finding its land legs. Because initially I'm like, this is it's sort of taking its time. I wish that how did I put it? Like the jokes need to either uh there either need to be like twice as many jokes or half as many. Mm-hmm. Or the jokes need to be twice as good. Like, it felt like it was taking its time and being like, dare I say it, a little marvelly about some of this stuff. But again, it's like it. Once the gang is together, once they're off on the mission, and especially once they start doing the actual heist, like golden. Mm-hmm. Once, like as soon as they start putting like the they buy the portrait and put the portal in it, the movie is just like gliding to a landing from that as yeah. far as I'm concerned. That's, a, that's another thing I liked. Uh, the thing I liked about the Jonathan thing, like him being a bird person. Yeah, I like Kenko or something. I like that. Yeah. But... It, it, it really is like, that's the best worst plan in the world. Yeah. When you th- it's It really is like, it's such a plan-ass plan. Yeah. Like, I have nothing left. Let's try this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. And initially, you're like, oh, he's like a colleague of theirs who can, like, bend the rules for them. And it's like, no, we're just going to jump out the window. <laughs> and initially, I was like, I wasn't sure how I felt about all the non-human characters. First of all, because I'm an intense racist. Like, it doesn't come up often on the show. <laughs> no, but it's like, I feel bad quoting nothing but, like, Rift Tracks and MST, but do you remember Mike talking about when he saw X-Men The Last Stand? Mm-hmm. And, like, Beast is there. 
I love, as far as X-Men go, I love Beast. Yeah, he and Nightcrawler are my favorites. He's a fun character. But Kelsey Grammer in Blue Fur, like, talking to the president. And because Mike, you know, had, had his brain corrupted reading comics like I did, he was like, what? It's, it's Cookie Monster. Yeah. Like, and just kind of looking around at other people like, why is everybody acting like this is normal? I sort of had that feeling with the movie initially. Not, not that, you know, I, I love fantasy shit. I'm not a hard sell on that. But it's the movie was sort of like, hey, there's a bunch of people and, like, a fucking lamprey is there. <laughs> hey, here's some folks. And then Big Bird shows up. And I was like, the movie seems a little cagey about how many goddamn actual monsters it has. But again, I think it kind of found its, like, you know, balancing in the center of the teeter-totter eventually. I think there was the perfect amount of Gleep Corps. There we go. Yeah. You, because that's a thing, like, if it's a thing like D&D. <laughs> you got, you're going to get some Glorps. You're going to get some Glorps. You won't get as many, roughly as many Glorps as uh, a Star Wars movie. Yeah. And it's funny, there's no need to just, for me to just endlessly shit on the old Courtney Solomon D&D, because it was like, yeah, newsflash, it wasn't very good. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it, it is funny to look at that movie where it's full of fantasy races, so you have uh, the elf, where if she didn't have the ears, you wouldn't be able to tell. Mm -hmm. You have the dwarf, who is six foot toe. Yeah. And then the mon they have Abby Holder, they have the, the shitty fake CGI dragons. Mm-hmm. One kind of purple guy. Yeah. In the Thieves' Den. And then the weird thing is there's like one scene in one bar where you see a couple of orcs. Mm -hmm. And they're guys in suits wearing yeah. like heavy armor kind of hunched over. They actually look pretty good. Yeah. By the standards of that movie, like, you're like, oh, like the orc makeup is not bad here. Yeah, I watched a Twitch riff of it. Yeah. They don't do anything, though. They can't, yeah. like, they can't afford to like make them move. So it's just... Mm -hmm. We have an orc. Mm -hmm. I don't even have one orc, let alone many orcs that would necessitate an orc rack. <laughs> um, so yeah, in every regard, like the it felt like the humor, the plotting, everything just kind of gets like fifty percent better every 20 minutes of the movie. It's one of those internet videos yeah. like speeds up. No, exactly. Like, like every time we say Shrek, the movie goes 5% faster. <laughs> like, and, it, and I, I will welcome that because like most movies do the opposite. Like you remember my theory about Bond movies. Mm -hmm. Every Bond movie starts off fine and then gets, gets worse. The couple of like the absolute best Bond movies are the ones that never suck. So, like, Casino Royale is good to the end. Mm -hmm. From Russia with Love is good to the end. Then the kind of middling Bond movies are the ones that, like, make it about halfway. Where you're like, eh, you know, Live and Let Die doesn't quite make it across the finish line. But, like, I'm, I'm popping yeah. along, you know? Yeah. And while he's, you know, Baron Samity pops up and everything. Uh, yeah, like the, like, GoldenEye, you know, almost makes it... And then you have the ones where they don't even, like, die another day mm -hmm. doesn't make it to the credits before it starts to suck. Yeah. It's like, it was, it was good, like, that, uh, 
that studio logo looked rather pretty, but then I'm afraid it was downhill from there. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my uh, Bond movie math. Most movies are like that, where you're like, oh, I was on board, but like it, it wore out its welcome. This is the like one of the only movies I can think of where like it didn't wear out its welcome. It broke in its welcome. Mm-hmm. The boots hurt for about an hour, but after that, I kind of didn't notice anymore. Like, <laughs> I am not used to seeing that, so I give it much better than the the alternative. Yeah. So yeah, I, I liked a lot of that. Um, I know we're, we're just randomly picking stuff out. Uh, the characters were pretty good. Like, yeah, mostly functional. Michelle Rodriguez kind of always does the same thing, but she's good at it. So, mm-hmm. like, I have no complaints. You know, she, she's fun in a movie. I didn't know the little sorcerer kid. He acquits himself fine. I kept uh, the the tiefling, who's the best character. Yeah. Like, well, the, the best hero in the movie, I'll mm-hmm. put it that way. Sophie Lillis. Yeah, because the, the whole time I, I was, like, I kept wanting to think, like, that's Jesse Buckley from, like, Fargo and... Uh, Alex Garland's man, like this very talented Irish actress. Because mm-hmm. he has the hair, which apparently yeah. is not her real hair color, Sophie Lewis. The whole time I'm like, I, I keep thinking that's Jesse Buckley, but I know it's not. Mm-hmm. And then I looked her up and I went, it's fucking it. It's Barb from it. Yeah, of course Beverly. it is. Yeah, Beverly, Beverly. Mm-hmm. No, Barb, the, when they go to the DMV, <laughs> Pennywise <laughs> pretends to be in. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, Beverly. Uh, so the whole time I'm like, I fucking know this Stranger Things ass looking 20 year old who's playing Nightcrawler here, but I, I can't place her. Uh, she's, she's totally fine and the character is awesome. Mm-hmm. Like I, that's, that's going to be everybody's favorite character in the movie. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. The, like, she's going to be. Yeah. Huge. Like she has the coolest look, she has the coolest powers, she's she's the coolest character. Like the there's the scene in the movie where Chris Pine is going, like, look, we're each fuck-ups in a different way. And it's like you're a fuck up, you're a fuck up, and when he gets to her, it's not played as a joke, but it's he's just like, Look, you're gonna have to go home and failure. It's like, yeah, the, her character doesn't suck. <laughs> she actually is by far the MVP out of the group. Yeah. Uh she's good. Renee Jean Page, we already... I, it's going to be a riot if I'm getting his name wrong. If his name's like Jean-Pierre Belmondo, and I've just been like... I didn't get a single bit of that right. <laughs> you Adele Dezim did? Yeah, I, so Adele Dezim is the paladin. is really good. Uh, honestly, the first thing I've seen him in besides Bridgerton, I think he does fine. And his whole shtick of like, he doesn't get idioms. Mm-hmm. You know? The first time they did that, I was, like, ready to do the J-O motion. Because yeah. I, I've, I've fucking had it with warrior who doesn't understand terms of phrase. That was already old when they did it with Drax. And the only thing that saved it is that Batista's funny. Yeah. The, the Jaime joke from Get Smart, like, all right, hop to it. Okay, boing, boing, boing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I do not need this shit in my life. They get away with it. Just because they give him such, like, obnoxious responses. The, the little, like, uh, the wizard or whatever goes like, oh, like, well, that sounds easy. And he goes, 
no, it won't be easy at all or something like that. Because I was being sarcastic. And he says, sarcasm is a blade that cuts the user most sharply. And when he does like his fortune cookie bullshit, whenever somebody yeah. calls him, that actually like glues the boss back together. For me, right? <laughs> yeah. And this went back to being kind of funny again. The fact that, and I love the fact that there's not a point where he's like, oh, well, you idiots just do that. No, he's, he's just good. I, th- I thought he's he was gonna just be, good. I thought he was going to be evil. I thought, because they show like he gets, like something happens to him with the, the red mist. Mm-hmm. I thought the end of the movie would be like they think they've won and he shows up and goes like I would be taking that magic amulet or whatever yeah. I was so sure that that would be the joke that like the the Captain Amazing character is of course going to be a charlatan or an outright villain like no like he's, he's just super cop like, yeah how about that um Pretty so good Superman movie yeah very good and then, uh, arguably, the, the two tent poles that sort of hold everything in between them. You got Chris Pine as your main man. Mm-hmm. And then Hugh Grant as the, the, I guess, the main villain. They do that very well, where he's the main bad guy, but not the main threat. Yeah. He's, he's Zorg. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking of. He's Zorg, where it's like, no, he's not the death ball. But the death ball can't really like show up and you know belittle people, so we have to mm-hmm. have this guy too. Uh, how'd you like Chris Pine in this? I liked him. I, I think I like Chris Pine. Yeah. Um, Chris Pine so far has. I'm actually hard pressed. Oh no, no, I was gonna say I'm hard pressed to think of him in like a genuinely good movie. I did like a Hell or High Water. Like a movie for grown-ups where he mm. like does acting and everything. <laughs> uh, written by somebody who uh, finished high school. No, no, no. I, I'm being shitty, but I feel like so far he's sort of had the role of like breath of fresh air in a bad movie. Mm. We're like, well, he certainly was not the worst part of Don't Worry, Darling. I don't think anybody minded. When you watched Wonder Woman 84, <laughs> yeah. I don't think your first complaint was that Chris Pine was in it. <laughs> um, he's always sort of had that niche of like those dreadful uh, Star Trek. What, like, mm-hmm. I guess they're not even bad. They're not like worse than Star Trek Nemesis. I assume <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen that one, but they just don't need to exist. Somebody made the point with those Star Trek movies. It's like, when you make a Fantastic Four movie to hold on to the copyright, mm-hmm. it's because there hadn't been, like, a Star Trek show. You remember they kept, like, overlapping? Yeah. So it was like, there were 20 years where there was always at least one Star Trek show. Mm-hmm. And then there was 20 years where there weren't any. And now we're back to there being five at once. So it's like... Yeah, we we don't really need to have like Quentin Tarantino or Christopher McQuarrie try and crack the nut for Star Trek Into Darkness, but more so the sequel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he felt like somebody who should be a leading man in search of a worthier franchise, and the whole like who's the best Chris has that, that's maybe gotten a little like played out as a joke at this point. It is him though, right? Yeah. Like, I, I like all of the... I like three of the four Chris's. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't always like the movies they make. 
he handily has the best track record. I would think. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I, I don't know. Maybe he's just a good actor. Maybe they filmed this in front of a green screen. It was it was just a paycheck for him. I don't know, but I get the feeling he had fun doing this. He seems like he did. Yeah. Because I I. I am guessing that most leading men, unless they're just like a weird egomaniac like Stallone or something, mm-hmm. where it's like, well, well, what if my guy doesn't get kidnapped because he's too yeah. cool? And you're like... Like Steven do? Seagal. Like, yeah. Like, what do we do for a third act then? Like, mm-hmm. Most actors want to be Bruce Campbell. Yeah, they law. Oh, can I can I be a jackass? Can I do like SNL shit? Everybody secretly has like that John Hamm hiding in them. Yeah, and so when they get to do these movies, where the same way we're gonna take comedians and turn them into like Brad Pitt bodies. Yeah, we're gonna take like handsome leading men and then turn them into jackasses. Mm-hmm. I get the feeling that he was very happy to play a. Not as smart as he thinks he is, Bard. Mm. That too, by the way. The, the, the Bard? The Bard. I, I, I'm sick to death of Bard jokes. Again, like everything else with D&D, it's like it was funny once. Mm. And now it's just like, here, here's how a paladin would send a candy gram. <laughs> here's how the Bard would send the candy gram. Mm-hmm. And he's wearing like a Speedo or something. Like... Is it, we, we, like, what if the bard was... He, he's a bit randy, is this bard. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm fully tired of that, that trope, but... They are aware that, like, yeah, most people are probably going to play a bard as opposed to a barbarian or something. Or there will always be at least one bard in the group. Mm-hmm. So you might as well make him, like, the face. Uh, so I think... That was very fun. The the songs are actually like not bad. They're like goofy twee like you can only sing them on standing on one leg songs. Yeah. But also they're like yeah this actually sounds like shit that they would be playing right. Mm-hmm. It's not Weird Al like yeah I like Weird Al but like that would not that would like ruin the the bit. Yeah. The the. That's an that's another thing that I wanted to talk about and I almost forgot is the music was very interesting. Yeah, it felt like it had uh oh, oh you're right, in the sense that it actually had some. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was it was cool because you know, there's the the big music. Mm-hmm. Um it keeps it in a very kind of folk form like british folk form um some of it like during one of the shape-shifting scenes it sounded just just flat out gauntlet i'm not i don't mind that (laughs) and uh some of it sounded like some of the softer songs by uh this band that i like falconer Oh, right, right. For anyone who knows Falcon. Just that, that kind of general, like, northern Euro- European, southern Scandinavian metal scene. Mm-hmm. Where if it's, if it's not scream vocals, then it's, like, painfully earnest ballad metal. Yeah, yeah. like, Lugaturally, stuff like that. Yeah. 
do a Luca Dorilli episode sometime. Like, the most talented, most ridiculous person. Like, would you like Ingvi Malmsteen if he was 800% more ridiculous? <laughs> and, but dude can write an arpeggio, though. Yeah. I'm using that right. I almost said archipelago. <laughs> uh, I No, I know what you mean. Like, on, And honestly, the whole deal, like, the, the music kind of works, the, the setup kind of works. Um, even the, the end credits, and I'm not... It sounds like we're getting really granular here, but I have a mm-hmm. point. Um, yeah, those were neat. Yeah, you know, again, it's the done thing where, like, you'll do the first wave of the credits where you, like, credit the cast. Mm-hmm. Then you'll usually have, like, a joke or, like, a teaser in the middle of the credits. Mm-hmm. Then you'll have white text on a black background traditional movie. Like, so there's become this whole... People lament that, like, we don't have, like, title cards and intros to movies anymore. And yeah. that is true. We do have outros, though. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes better than the films. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I remember finishing Thor Ragnarok and going, oh, could I have just watched that instead? <laughs> but uh, with this, the whole thing is done in the style of, like, an illustrated manuscript. It's like the pop-up book of Kells, essentially. Mm-hmm. In a really fun way where, like, the the shapeshifter has, like, it's like an astral uh, astronomic calendar around her, but it's, like, all the forms she takes. Yeah. Like, the fish, like, pops out, and, like, a guy comes out of its mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, if, like me, you're a huge fan of when monks would get bored and just start doodling in the margins... Mm-hmm. You'd have like snails fighting guys and like rabbits shooting guns. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, dude. Like I, I know DD's like cod medieval rather than authentically, but if you're gonna riff on something, this is this is a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe the the last thing I almost feel like I'm saving this for dessert. Uh, Hugh granted this. Yes, real life. Uh, bad person Hugh Grant playing a fake bad person Forge Fitzwilliam. Yeah. Did you like this? I liked it. The, I could easily, easily see this sucking in, in, in like, if you got like a different actor or like didn't get the equation right. Just having like, oh, oh I'm, I'm kind of a zany supervillain. Cool. Mm-hmm. Like that, that wouldn't do it for me, but it's like, Yep, that is uh, is Hugh Grant playing Hugh Grant. And I think people realized long ago, Hugh Grant is the most fun when he's playing bad guys. Yeah. You know, it's like how, like, Leonardo DiCaprio is a terrific actor. The best Leo roles are when he's playing a piece of shit. Yeah. It can either just be, like, kind of a piece of shit, like the guy from Catch Me If You Can, or it could be Satan himself, like Calvin Candy. (laughs) Or it could just be, like... Dip shit like uh like Rick Dalton. Like Rick Dalton. Yeah, that that's like that is his best role, right? Yeah. Like um same thing when they when Hugh Grant was like, oh I'm I'm so, oops, I, I fell off the garden wall. Like when we're supposed to find him likable, like Notting Hill or whatever, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't quite work. Again, when he is playing kind of kind of the Chris Pine thing. 
it only works because he sort of sucks. When Hugh Grant is playing the parody of that guy, when he is essentially being his own Zeppo. Yeah. Yeah. It, same thing, like, Timothy Dalton. If Timothy Dalton in a normal movie, meh. Timothy Dalton in a comedy, oh boy, Bim. <laughs> Not even important. Like him and Flash Gordon, oh, are you God. kidding me? Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, like, I would not want to see him play Flash Gordon. I want to see him play fucking Robin Hood and Ego Montoya, frenemy to Flash Gordon. <laughs> yeah. Right? Same thing, when, and when they announced that, because that was one of the first bits of casting, like, Hugh Grant will be the villain. I thought, like, oh, is he going to play, like, a wizard? There was even, like, five seconds where I went, oh, is he going to is he gonna play it, like, mostly straight? And, like, no. <laughs> it's just him going, like, oh, oh that magic potion is frightfully hot. <laughs> and you're like, right, because you hate that guy. And then, and then you have stuff where, like, uh, Layer the white worm, or he's just yeah. You're, imp- oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. He's like impossibly perfect, and it's just yeah. You're not meant to like the guy in Layer of the White Worm. Yeah, that I I think that movie is meant to have like a. It's not a joke, but like it it has a degree of irony to it. Yeah, the fact that Peter Capaldi is basically the guy that. Yeah. Actually puts himself on the line and... Yeah, you... You know. No, that, that's what I mean. It's The movie's not like a joke or stupid or bad on purpose. Like, I actually kind of love Layer of the White yeah. Worm, but it, it is not meant to be, uh, like, it's not playing straight. Nobody finishes Layer of the White Worm and goes, oh, that was scary, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> no, so... I, I think Hugh Grant knows that... Your default is like, I'm going to smack that guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's just something about his face and his voice. Like, he looks like a doodle of a handsome British person. Yeah. He's not handsome, handsome. He's like, oh, he's like handsome the way that, like, a guy in a Monty Python sketch would be handsome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I think he's aware of that. Also, I'm not here to judge anybody. He is supposed to be, like, a total shithead in real life. <laughs> I'm not just talking about him being, like, a horror monger, technically. <laughs> but, <laughs> forgive me, but... Dude, like, John Stewart said, like, he was, like, the meanest person we ever had on the yes. show, and I've interviewed dictators. So, yeah, I, I think he's meant to just be, like, a just kind of, like, a scumbag in real life, and it somehow works. The same way that Jeremy Irons is, is like, I'm gonna do it big, okay? <laughs> Don't tell yeah. me how to act. So he's one of the few things. He's going to do it big, but still phone it in. Yeah, that, that is incredible, by the way. like I have never seen somebody like phoning it in, but you're yelling on the phone. <laughs> Usually phoning it in means like any Anthony Hopkins performance in the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. But no, it's like, I'm going to phone it in, but I'm going to be doing it like Road to Wellville phoning it in. <laughs> So yeah, Jeremy Irons, uh, not good. Nothing, basically nothing in that movie is good. Mm-hmm. He's at least more fun to watch than like <laughs> yeah. the Jimmy Olsen kid or whatever. I, I almost don't even want to pick on him. Like that guy should not have been freighted as the leading man in a, a blockbuster. Uh, but here, Hugh Grant, he kind of goes into it going like, yeah, I know you don't like me. You're not supposed to. Why would you? <laughs> Uh, what sums this up, we were joking about this beforehand, but 
I think I saw this at one of our local theaters. You saw it at the, the Draft House. And they had the thing which I kind of, I would not mind if they stopped doing this in front of movies where the cast thanks you. Yeah. Like, come on, man. It's not that it, like, takes me out of the experience, but it, it just feels corny. Like, it's like if a movie ended with, a good cast deserves a second mention. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I, I, don't, I don't need, like, the director to come out from some curtains and explain that this is going to be a scary movie, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I dig sometimes with, like, at the end, uh, having, like, the Tarantino ending of, like, this char- this actor is this character. Oh, no, no, I know what you mean. I, I don't mm. mind that, but where, where it's just like, hey, we, we, we're all friends in real life. We just yeah. want to thank you for coming to the movie. And so it, it's just very it's much... It's like a curtain call. Yeah. It's like if your movie had a curtain call. It's, maybe that's it. it it's like how fucking Orange is the New Black ended with the whole last episode is about like migrants are dying at the border every day anyways here's our cast these guys were so much fun to work with you remember when we did trust falls and they're like hi i played crazy eye and like i it's like a good cast but you're like why the fuck is this ending like a like a prom video like like they, they didn't have like you know at the end of the like Deadwood, they'll come out and wave. Yeah. Right? Um, See, I don't need that before a movie. I don't need them doing, like, break me off a piece of this breakthrough male performance. Mm -hmm. So they're all just sitting there kind of, like, doing whatever. I think maybe one or two of them don't even get to talk. (laughs) And then at the very end, you see Hugh Grant just goes, like, thank you for coming, and we really hope you enjoy the movie in theaters as it was intended. And I told you, like, did you, you expect there to be, like, a little red dot, like, hovering on his forehead? <laughs> yeah. while saying, like, I have never seen anybody more clearly, like, I have to do this. They, I, I don't get paid until after I record this. Yeah. And again, like, I know that you're not supposed to like people for being shitty in real life, but I'm like, Dude, it works. And the character is so just such a fucking scoundrel. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he backstabs Threatens to cut a little girl's Perfect. Throat. Which is like a moment which is... You, you said the emotional stakes are like... If not legendary, then at least better than they need to be. Mm-hmm. Same thing. The fact that he steals the guy's daughter... You want you're like yeah that's that's like fucked up. I'm on Chris Pine's side. That's a believable yeah. motivation. It's basically like a less horrifying version of Face Off. Mm-hmm. It's not no. I'm gonna steal your life. I'm gonna steal your family. Yeah. I'm gonna go flirt with your daughter while you're in prison. How do you feel about that? <laughs> like that's the gross uh, part of an awesomely gross, also good movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but anyways. With this, you're like, yeah, and the fact that he's clearly, he doesn't love her, it's just, he says, like, oh, I get to control someone else's life, it makes me feel like a god. Like, it's just one more thing that, like, creates a feedback loop of his own ego. And then, of course, like you say, he threatens her at a moment's notice. Yeah, he's a narcissist in the truest sense of the word. Yeah, yeah, which, not not just like, why did you do that evil thing? Because I could. 
that kind of phoned-in supervillain. It's like, no, he he's like a sociopath in the sense that like wimpy from the Popeye cartoons and comics is a sociopath. Like, mm. well, nothing happened to me. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's he's awesome. He's very funny. There's jokes that are like fucking vaudeville level that I still laughed at because it was him. Like when the the sorceress captures Chris Pine, and he goes like, oh, "I hate to see you killed like this," which is why I'm going to leave the room. Mm-hmm. You know, I like I can't even do it. Like his his delivery is like great. And I'm like that should not be a laugh line, and that was a laugh line. For yeah. Me. And right down to uh, the fact that he puts his face on everything, which is mm-hmm. awesome. It's like Koopa. Yeah. The, o- the only, maybe the only good touch in the Mario movie, like how much of a Trumpian narcissist Koopa is. Mm-hmm. His face is just everywhere. It's on like stupid flyers and they have it on a huge hot air balloon. Yeah. Every goddamn time they show the balloon, it at least got a chuckle out of me. Yes. It also makes him the Wizard of Oz, which is a nice touch. <laughs> and then I love what they do with the uh, hither thither. Oh yeah, when he starts spitting gold out of his mouth because they portal it through the balloon, so he loses everything again. And like maybe I don't have too much more to say, so maybe we'll like. Uh, or I, you can say whatever you want, but I'll kind of put a, a bow on this. Um, the bit with, like, the balloon, and they managed to, like, they're, this is spoilers, I guess, but the trick at the end of the movie is that, like, a horrible zombie fog is going to be released into this coliseum, and so they have to get everybody out of the vicinity. Mm-hmm. And the way they do that is they make it so the balloon starts vomiting off all the money that they stole from Fitzwilliam. Mm-hmm. and everyone runs out in the street to get the money and I, I watched it and I thought excuse me just had to swallow I thought that's cool that's that's clever not in a screenwriterly sort of way but like everything else in the movie it feels like something that your party would come up with and you're like what if we do this yeah and it's like and like if you have a good DM they go like eh. Technically, that's not how the rod works. I just want to see what happens. Like, that, that's good enough. Like, yeah. brownie points, you know, luck points, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, like you say, like, so much of the movie is based around, like, this is how a game is actually shaped. We're leaning into the things that people actually like about this game. Like, you know, goofy bards and less on 10,000 years ago. Yeah. Same thing. The fact that they do have a, like a nice big fight against the the wizard lady, mm-hmm. I guess. It you know it has like a typical movie ending, but the peril resolves itself the way in a game. It, it wouldn't a game mm-hmm. where it's like you can't beat Strahd in like a fist fight, but here's a thing where like you can hit a switch where his magic doesn't work anymore or some shit. Yeah. And so I thought that was, like, for something that was just sort of Rube Goldbergian with magic. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's, yeah, that, that's, like, how a game session should end. That's how the movie should end. That yeah. actually sort of works. So, uh, I don't know, do, do you have any other general thoughts on this? No, I just really dug it. I, I think it's, I 
hope we get more movies like this. Yeah, I... Just, I, I don't mean, like, dumb good. I, like, uh, say, Mortal Kombat or, like, the Godzilla movies. No, this... This is a good movie. It's just good. Yeah, and, and that's the difference. Is it a great movie? No. Heavens no. Is it a good movie? Yeah. Like, if you went and saw this and then got dinner afterwards and, like, talked to your friends, even if they were not also, like, D&D nerds, you'd have a fine time, right? You're not just, you're not going to get walkouts of this movie. Yeah. So, um, like I say, there's... It could be tighter here and there. It, uh, again, like, sometimes they could rein it in just a bit with, like, the jokey jokes. Mm-hmm. But I, even when I say that, I'm like, okay, well, you're you're picking on, like, the 12 things it does wrong and ignoring the 50 that it does right. Like, mm-hmm. I give it a lot of credit, and here's my thing. If every, if this was just, like, an average movie, if this was, like, as bad as a movie could be and still be, like, watchable and successful, I'd be like, oh, damn, like, that's, movies are great. Yeah. What a wonderful art form we have. The fact that, like, most movies are so much worse than this. Mm-hmm. Where I, my, my honest reaction to this was like, what if a Marvel movie were good? Yeah. Yeah, this feels like watching the first, like, Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, oh, it, it's not that amazing. Like, if I'm the only Marvel movie I ever rewatched, like Guardians. Like, oh, you don't need to rewatch it. You kind of, you're not going to see anything. It's not arrested development, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's how I feel about this, where it's just like, yeah, if we could just keep making, like, perfectly fine 7 out of 10, liked it because I was in a good mood already sort of movies, uh, I'd be totally fine with that. Um, As a movie movie, I consider it fairly successful. As a translation of the, the game into a movie, like the appeal of the game... Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually thought it did very well. Yeah. Like, I, I I almost thought it would be the opposite. Like, a good movie, but kind of whatever in regards to the game. Mm-hmm. I hate... This, like, hurts my soul to put it in these terms, but I'm like, as branding exercises go, like, this is going to do a hell of a lot better than, like, you know, the D&D cartoon or when they used to have, like, those VHS tapes that you could use to learn to play the game in the 90s or, like... Mm-hmm. I feel like D&D has had, like, a... The role-playing in general, it's, like, something that is genuinely, innately very fun and appealing. And But how do you translate that to a normie? How do you not look like a moron when you're like, hey, will you come be a wizard with me? yeah. And I feel like the same way that D&D is as popular now as it's ever been, because it finally, after fourth edition, they were like, guys, like they're at like a weekend retreat at like, you know, Geneva, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. They're like throwing pencils at the ceiling. And then Gary Gygax's grandson like throws the papers off the table and goes, guys, guys, what if we make the next edition fun? Yeah. What, what if, <laughs> instead of being a chore, what if the rules make the game more interesting instead of ruining it. Mm-hmm. And they were like, wow! <laughs> Break open the champagne. And I, I feel like they finally found a vessel to go like, 
yeah, if you like this, this is more or less. This is a hell of a lot more accurate to what the game is like than like listening to actual play podcasts. Yeah. Right? So, dude, I I love that people play Dungeons and Dragons. I would literally rather hear about the dream you had last night than hear about your DD campaign. Even if it is a quartet of insanely talented like improv artists and like voice actors. I don't care. If it's like Jason Manzoukas running a game for Mark Hamill, I'm like, nah, I don't need it. I'm sure it's fun. I'll be over here. <laughs> There's something about live play that just does not work for me, but I understand that that has been the, the perfect gateway to actually get people into the hobby. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for something that I hardly ever actually have time to do, it remains something that I, you know, I have a lot of uh, affection for. So, I, I don't know. The, this was, frankly, more successful than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. So, uh, last, I promise this is the last thing, but you mentioned there's the scene, uh, the barbarian has her halfling husband. Mm-hmm. It was Bradley Cooper. Yeah. That was weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> I remember that being weird. He's not bad or, I, I actually do think he's a pretty good actor. But it is just like, Hey, you're Bradley Cooper. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like, well, what are you doing here, Morgantha? I have to go talk to my husband, Bradley Cooper. The actor? Yeah, him. (laughs) (laughs) And the whole time, it's, it's very small, Bradley Cooper, but not like, not so small it's funny, just so small it's weird. Mm -hmm. And he's sitting there talking to her and it took me a minute to go like, he he looks, because Bradley Cooper is one of those guys where like, you, he just looks like an actor. There's nothing, like, striking about him. It's just, like, a young Jeff Bridges, yeah. as opposed to current Jeff Bridges. It's like, oh, that's that guy from that movie, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I realized it was Bradley Cooper, I thought, you know, on the list of Guardians of the Galaxy actors that I thought might pop up in a D&D movie, he was not number one. Yeah. yeah. He would have expected another one. Yeah, that's that's a discussion for another day, but I'm like, they finally made an actual, real, copyright TM Dungeons and Dragons movie. And, like, Joe Manganiello and Vin Diesel, like, weren't consulted, or they were and went, eh, it's not for me, or, like... <laughs> <laughs> it feels like the Hollywood's lousy with like secret nerd fans of this property, mm-hmm. and none of them were here. Have Taron Killam play like a, a nobleman or some shit like oh, is, that? Is he a D guy? Yeah. Oh, that's I love Taron. I didn't even realize. Like if he just played like a nobleman, oh. like a foppish nobleman, oh, yeah. that oh my god, that would be good. Taron Killam has his own weird thing. If you ever watch Twelve Years a Slave. He's one of the two guys that kidnaps and Solomon uh, Northrop and like steals his papers mm-hmm. and sells them into slavery. And they, he basically plays it like he's like Jay Worthington Foulfellow from Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. I remember watching it. I'm like, okay, I like Tarum. I think Tarum is like could actually be like a good actor in a straight role. And I'm kind of glad he's in this movie, but it, it's like Paul Giamatti being in the movie. You're like, that was weird, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like Bob Odenkirk being in Little <laughs> yeah. Women. Ah, oh, look at you. My Little Women. 
Uh, one of the little women just died of consumption. God damn it! <laughs> I think I'm done. Oh, yo, my little kitty cat. <laughs> I just pulled one of them out of a fish monster. <laughs> uh, bye, everyone.